All right, I am super excited for this next talk. Um, we have Thomas, he's going to be talking to us about WebRTC and jQuery. Um, we had a presentation last week from India. This one's coming to us from Singapore. So uh, this really is kind of a global conference and I'm really excited to see where we go with this. So um, as soon as we get Thomas's video back up here, um, we'll let him uh, take this away. Whoa. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me from Singapore. Sunny morning over here. It's like 10 a.m. or so, you can see. So I hope this is coming through quite well. Like, I'm pretty far away, but so far we haven't had a problem. And I was able to check out Aaron's talk before as well, very fluidly. Um, so I'll, I want to talk a little bit about WebRTC and the lack of um, options that allow you to use WebRTC as easily as jQuery. Uh, that's kind of the idea behind it. And so uh, just to get you started a little bit about myself, um, in case you don't know, everybody just knows me. Um, I do web development for quite a while now. I'm a UX designer. Uh, I organize Asia's JSConf. Like if you live in the US, you might have heard about JSConf over there in Florida. I do the event here in Asia for the fourth year, um, help a lot of startups over here. And I help for the last year, a lot of companies and, and developers to use WebRTC. And on that way, uh, learned a lot of things about WebRTC, the little differences and difficulties. And um, I want to share and learn uh, in the last year, helping a lot of people. And uh, what I and at my team here in Singapore did to make it more accessible for others as well. Like, because we wanted to package that learning into something that other people can reuse uh, to get started quicker and solve all these hassles and problems and not need to go through the same thing again that we went through. So what is WebRTC? I like, uh, yeah, show of hands doesn't really work that easy in, in a chat. Like uh, if you w just want to type a plus with WebRTC before in the chat, um, you know, Exactly, give me a hand raise if you have. Uh, I'll go through the very basics of it, um, not very deep dive. Um, for that, I'm, I'm happy to do another XJS Remote Conf if there's uh, demand on how the intricates of WebRTC really work. Uh, but in, in general, on a high level, WebRTC is a set of JavaScript APIs in the browser that enable browsers to talk peer-to-peer -peer with each other um, without going through a server. So the main difference in that is that happens like this. Everybody's connected to a server and you get the responses from a server as well. This is even how modern real-time communication kind of works if you use a Facebook message or, or a WhatsApp. You're actually talking to a server and the server relays that information to somebody else. Now, peer-to-peer -peer works slightly different it's like everybody talks to everybody. There is no server involved. Um, why would that anybody want to do that? Um, because it, it gives you essentially a very, very low latency on the connection. You need to do in low latency or privacy for that matter. You know, like going through a server means there's always somebody listening to everything that you're writing, saying, uh, sharing, uh, which you might not want to do. You can actually do this directly peer to peer. 
I mean, by now you go through routers, which are kind of computers or servers by now too. So ask your local NSA what they really do with that data. Um, but in general, that's the idea is that through the direct connection, you get the, the fastest path from one device to another device. And that gives you low latency and is it enables uh, real-time communication. And this is why everybody connects WebRTC to this typical use case of audio video. Like essentially what we do right now with this click webinar software uh, is also in a way real-time communication and can be done with WebRTC. I'll give you a lot of examples and demos later on what is possible with it and a few code walkthroughs as well on, on how you can actually solve some of these problems as well. Um, some of the use cases for WebRTC uh, include one-on-one -on -one calling. You want call somebody like a FaceTime on, on your iPhone. Uh, conferencing, like having a conversation with five, six, seven people uh, and exchanging like an online meeting, right? Everybody knows go to meeting, I guess. Um, In-game chatting can be a real time thing uh, where you don't necessarily need a server. Uh, virtual co-working, I don't know, um, where you essentially hang out in a, in a Slack kind of room with like a lot of other people and you actually can see and hear each other um, you can do sync music streaming, which is great if you have low latency. It's a requirement, to be honest, to do that. Uh, like if you have a sensor network, like mesh networks get very popular these days too. They are kind of a peer-to-peer -peer thing and WebRTC could power them. Uh, you have e-mentoring, online video consultation, a JS remote conf, why not? Like these are some examples. Um, so traditionally works in a way where you go to a website and you want to talk to somebody and it usually shows you a phone number and you type that phone number into your phone or you swap to your phone device, sorry, your phone app on your phone, right? Like to actually dial that number. Uh, or you exchange a Skype username and say like, hey, you know, like add me on Skype and we do audio video calling there, or you install a software like Click Webinar to participate in this conference. Uh, you get somebody's Gmail address, add them as a contact, and use Hangouts. So the barrier of entry in it, um, in the sense that there's always something you need to do, something that like you need to add a person, you need to sign up for an account, uh, and WebRTC can essentially solve all of that. Uh, it makes it very barrier-free to add communication into your web application or app, actually. So here are some of the, uh, the examples where WebRTC could be helpful already. Um, let's say you booked an Airbnb. Um, you could essentially call your host through the Airbnb app or through the Airbnb web. All the audio calling could be embedded into that website. And I listed a few other examples here on who you could talk to. And you see a pattern. Uh, that switches away from communication, the phone, um, or a phone call being this thing on the side. I mean, in the past, it used to be a device sitting in the corner, you know, on a wire, and you had to walk over when it rang and, like, yeah, pick up the call over there. It was a total different thing. Um, I think WebRTC is going to be the driver that enables in-context communication, contextual communication in the sense that you can talk to people and communicate with people, exchange data with people uh, in the context that you are acting or interacting with them already. Like on Airbnb, you have kind of a guest host relationship. On Uber, maybe like a, a, a passenger driver relationship, right? But it is in context. 
And I think that's very, very powerful uh, to, to get started with. And the problem with that is it is a set of APIs that is very cryptic, requires you to do a lot of work. Um, I get into the nitty gritties of that a bit uh, in a bit. Uh, but conceptually, I want to show you how it works and then talk you through on how it, we can make that easy to use as, as a jQuery. We subscribe a few events where you call a few functions and the rest just happens to work. So a web RTC call from a high level, which is what work kind of like that. We have person A and person B. Uh, usually Alice and Bob in every example. That's why A and B. And if they want to talk to each other, it's kind of a problem because the devices don't know each other yet. They have they have no sense of this is the other person I want to call. So what you need in a way is and Bob know that they can go talk to uh, and say like, hey, I really want to be in, in this conversation with Alice or conversation with Bob and both go there with the same kind of information and then the known party introduces each other, essentially exchanging your network uh, address and, and an open port or an openable port to be exact. Uh, so that a peer-to-peer -peer connection between the two browsers in that case. So, and you can start exchanging data between the two. So that is WebRTC conceptually in a nutshell, um, meaning you essentially need the known party in background uh, introducing. It's in, in a way, it's a bit like asking for an introduction on LinkedIn or, or even in real life where you have this other friend that needs to introduce you to. And uh, actually, there are even more similarities because uh, then you need to find out later, like, what languages do you really speak that you should converse in? Like, what's, what's compatible? Uh, and this is all happening through WebRTC in a negotiation process. So to make it easier, um, like, my team and I, we came up with a bundle of tools called Skylink. Um, where we put all of that in to make it super, super easy to use. So on the client side, this is Alice and Bob. These are the browsers. This is the JavaScript code that is executed and run in your browser that you wanna, want to write. And uh, to go to Andrew's question, uh, WebRTC traffic is encrypted by default. Yes, that is true. Um, so to get started with the client side, uh, the JavaScript code that you want to execute there to um, start this process uh, can be quite complex if you want to do it from scratch and you don't use a helper library. This is essentially the, the most like complete chart that we've tried to come up with on how this process works. So it's not super straightforward, but it has something to do uh, on the lines of introducing two people, uh, essentially saying hi to each other and then trying to figure out, uh, hey, what languages do we speak? Uh, what languages do, can we agree on exchanging with and that, that language codec or an audio codec because browsers support different kinds of those. Uh, like usually Firefox had historically a bit of a problem with H.264 because it is not uh, like it is highly IP protected and so they are licensed fees and as an open source software, uh, Firefox had a problem porting that into their source code base and eventually Cisco came for a rescue and there was a whole story about this uh, that H.264 now works in Firefox too. But traditionally, um, Firefox could only use open source codecs uh, so it would 
offer, for example, Google's VP8 need to agree on that. So they exchange these uh, these local offers uh, until they can agree on something that works for them. And it's a bit of an intricate process uh, where you need to find out who's going to start the conversation, you know, the awkward moment in the beginning uh, until they actually start uh, negotiating and exchanging candidates saying like, hey, um, I think you can actually talk to me over this port at IP address. Like, why don't you test that? And there might be multiple network interfaces available like that. And so this is exchanged through this known party saying like, hey, try here to connect to me. Um, this is the, the candidate introduction. So there are helper libraries like that, like uh, PeerJS and uh, Simple WebRTC that help you not taking, like dealing with all this complexity and rewriting uh, this process with a signaling server. Uh, one of those uh, we filled in as well, that is Skylink.js, uh, which we essentially try to mimic a little bit to the ease of use of, of a jQuery, where you subscribe a few events, uh, you fill in your code, uh, and the rest happens almost magically in a little bit. And I can show you uh, a lot of demos on that uh, in a bit, just to show you how simple the process actually becomes, um, how useful that actually is. Then WebRTC is, as far as I know, still not an official standard. It is a draft and process to become a standard. Um, it's still hanging in the web W3C consortium and like people are arguing about the final issues with it. Um, but there are browsers already for uh, supporting it for two years. And these browsers are Chrome, Firefox, and Opera. But the implementation in these browsers is a little bit different here, a little bit different here. You know, the, there wouldn't be different browsers if they wouldn't have slight differences in everything. Uh, we know this from the past very well. Like if you do web development like I did for for 15 years, yeah, you hate kind of the old Internet Explorer mentality of always doing their own thing and so on. And so in, in a way, WebRTC is still a very young technology and the implementations vary a little. Um, and so you want something that helps you essentially polyfilling uh, WebRTC in a way, or, or shimming is the right word here, I think. Polyfilling is, is uh, essentially making it available in browsers where it is not available yet. But, but shimming so that the API in all browsers looks the same, acts the same, uh, does the same thing. So you can you can write code for your application instead of worrying about, oh, I'm in Firefox, so I need to do this workaround. Oh, I'm in, in Chrome, so it supports this feature, which is not yet in Firefox. Um, so you want something that helps you with that. And like there's a library called Adapter.js. Um, it was initially created by Google and part of the AppRTC demo that they have published for WebRTC. Um, and we tried, like, we found this really useful and we thought, like, it's great, but it's not yet super complete. Um, so we've essentially forked it from them and built around it. And so it's a drop-in replacement for Google's uh, Adapter.js. So if you already use a project like that, you could essentially just replace the two and it would still work. Um, but it, it adds even more, and I, I want to go through this a little bit just to show you um, how that essentially works. So maybe let's see if that desktop sharing actually works. Unexpected Adobe Air problem. Let's try that again. Okay, I'll try that again when it offers me to try again. Like it slows you out for like a few seconds before you can do screen sharing again. 
Um, okay, I'll go through this presentation maybe first and then um, come to the, the demos and browse through these libraries a little bit later. Um, the next thing is that WebRTC is still not supported officially in IE and Safari. Uh, sorry, not even not officially, also inofficially, it's not supported. It's just not no code in these browsers to, to execute WebRTC. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest holdback for this technology uh, because Safari, or specifically IE, are still widely in use uh, on this planet. And so, therefore, barely any company really has put all their eggs into the WebRTC basket because just not available on all the platforms right now. And so seeing that, we essentially threw some effort into making that work as well and wrote the only uh, WebRTC plugin available for IE and Safari um, that actually works well and is, is not proprietary. It's upgrading Safari and IE to support WebRTC. Um, and that's available for free download. I'll share all this slide desk uh, deck later and you can go and check out all the links and, and download all this, these tools um, yourself. But it essentially it allows uh, Safari and IE users, if they enter a website that wants to use WebRTC, uh, to download and install this free plugin to upgrade their browser to support any kind of WebRTC. That's not proprietary to our technology or anything. It's just uh, upgrading these browsers to do it uh, through a tricky mechanism. Uh, like it's not really an extension of the browser, it's a browser plugin and it works in the background like weirdly similar to like what, what Flash does. And it has a few um, few yeah, sad exceptions in a way. Like it doesn't work in an iframe right now. Um, and like you cannot access it as a um, as a normal video tag later, meaning some functions don't work yet and we're still trying to figure it out. Like there's one demo that you see later where I take a video picture and I draw a JPEG out of it in a, in a canvas, or I, I draw on a canvas from the video and then save it as a JPEG. And that is something that the plugin sadly can't do yet. But for audio video conversation, it works incredibly well already. And you can try out this website getaroom.io already if you like. Uh, it's fully upgraded and works in every browser. So then on the server side, you need this known host, this third party that both clients can connect to, to essentially uh, get introduced to each other. And here you would usually uh, set up your own server like an RC EC2 instance. Um, you need to obviously maintain it yourself. You need to scale it yourself in case you're writing something really ambitious. Um, and it needs to like understand and forward uh, the, the lingo of your client side. So for this kind of socket or uh, sorry for this kind of signaling connection you can use all kinds of different technologies uh, a lot of people use web sockets that's what uh, we do too uh, but <laughs> i had a, a friend of mine um, who used iMessages. well does it sounds a bit weird like and he actually used human interface meaning he was typing the network candidates and protocols into an iMessage on his phone <laughs> then uh, they get received at the other side and he types them back into the application and that way they exchanged uh, their network protocol. It works too. It's a bit cumbersome, a lot of typing involved and like, uh, but you can use iMessages for signaling. I'm uh, not, not sure it's necessarily super maintainable. Okay, I see a question popping up. Uh, the plugin does not work on mobile Safari. That's a very sad story. Um, but even there, we are trying to pull through and make something work. Uh, there is a browser from um, Ericsson that I can't necessarily recommend. It's not a great browser, but it supports WebRTC. 
So maybe it is a great browser and it's called Bowser. Like I can show you the icon if you like, it's right there in the corner. And that is a browser for um, the iPhone that uses WebKit in the background and then extends WebKit with the functionality of WebRTC. Like every time I tried it, it's actually quite shaky, but feel free to try it out. It's free for download and uh, they announced that they're gonna continue to uh, develop on it. So that's one option. Um, in Safari on iOS, it otherwise doesn't work, but even there, uh, there is our little uh, Singaporean company working and fighting with and against Apple. Um, so maybe by the end of the year, we have some news on that side as well. So, but it's definitely going to come. It's just a matter of time. Like I know for a fact that Apple doesn't have anything against WebRTC in that sense. They just don't put it as a priority. Um, so if you would like to use this kind of technology, uh, you need this known party. And there are server-side libraries that you can run on your own instance if you like, um, like PeerJS is a good example. Uh, or you use a platform like uh, the Skylink platform that we've created, where you essentially get unlimited signaling um, as a service. You can just go there. Um, like right now, it's free as well. So you can just use us as a third party and we do all the signaling uh, in the background for you. Uh, so what about mobile? Uh, another question in, in the chat. Um, portable plugins. Hmm. That would be another idea to follow. We haven't thought about that one yet. Um, yes. Uh, so I'll get to that a bit later uh, about the native iOS. So if it doesn't work on mobile, it does. It's not worth doing. That was a quote of a friend of mine at the JSConf here in Asia, and I think it's it's true, specifically in Asia where there are billions of people coming online on a mobile phone. They have never used a computer before, uh, maybe only seen one in the far, but it's a whole different generation growing up here in Asia, in Indonesia, and in, in uh, large rural parts of China. So it needs to work on mobile, right? So good news is it works on mobile, or at least on, on Android mobile, it works um, on Chrome, in Firefox, and in Opera already. Uh, not in the native Android browsers that are sometimes shipped with your phone. Like if, I don't know, like I have a, a Chinese Xiaomi phone. Thomas, are you still there? Hello, Thomas? Hello? Oh, Hi. there you are. Okay, it still all looks good from my side. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, just disconnected for a minute. Okay. Well, now it looks all good again, so I'll keep yep. going. Um, so if you actually want to fill in native applications, I mean, this is a JS conference, so I'm not going to go deep into this, but uh, we have native SDKs for Android and iOS that you can use. Um, so I hope every, everybody can see me again. Okay. Um, 
So they're available for, for download if you ask us and you can start playing with it. And they connect to a browser as well. Meaning, and I, I show this in a bit, um, you can actually make a call from an iPhone native app to the web browser. That's not a big problem. So, well, it's always edge cases, right? What, what about those? I mean, it's a complex technology. WebRTC relies on a lot of things working incredibly well. Some of those things being the browsers agreeing and supporting the same kind of codecs, um, the network being accessible uh, so that you can open ports and establish a peer-to-peer -peer connection, uh, the network bandwidth being like good enough so that you can actually transfer the amount of data fast enough, um, specifically for video and audio, you usually want to be within a second of latency maximum. Otherwise, a conversation is really awkward if you have to wait three, four seconds for somebody to reply. Um, so there's a lot of complex technology in the background that has to go just right to make a WebRTC call work. Um, and so that involves dealing with a lot of edge cases that occur statistically quite frequently, uh, if you think about the absolute numbers. And one of those might be enterprise firewalls prevent peer-to-peer -peer connections requests to come through. Uh, essentially, you work in a big corporation, the network engineers usually tie down your port so hard that it's hard to get a peer-to-peer -peer connection poked through. And um, like this is why Skype got very popular early 2000s, because they had put a lot of effort into these technologies that help you discovering open network ports. Uh, Skype was known as the software that seemingly just worked whereas everybody else was struggling and you had to open ports manually on your router and i don't know if you've ever tried that at the time but it was uh, really cumbersome or you have a, a shitty chinese phone again sorry if the stream goes back again like might be really china i don't know um and it can't handle like three four five video streams to be sent out and retrieved with all the encryption and encoding involved so in these cases, there are actually servers that can help you. And we have some of them available uh, in our infrastructure as well. Like a stun server is a server that helps you identifying connection options by looking at you from the outside. So you can go there as a client and saying, hey, uh, I want to open a network port. I can't really see all my network interfaces. Please, server, help me look at me. Uh, what do you see? So that's what a stun server does. And the turn server uh, is the the next step on top of that is like if the stun essentially says, eh, I can't find anything, uh, then the, the last and only option is uh, that the server relays your video, which adds latency to it again. So it's not necessarily something we want. But then on the other side, it's better to do that than not having any video go through. Um, so the turn server is a, is a relay server that takes your video stream and funnels it through to the other party. And on the other side, takes the video from the other party and like scans it through to you. But the difference is you connect it to it, so it is allowed to exchange that data. It's not uh, another party poking into you peer-to-peer. -peer. And on the CPU and network, there's something called an SFU, or if you are in the scene that exists, uh, you might know this as an MCU as well. Uh, MCU is a multicast unit, and SFU is a selective forwarding unit. Uh, so they work slightly different. And SFU essentially, okay, let's do the math. We have a conversation with uh, five people, meaning your computer sends out four video streams of your camera to these other four people, and it receives a single video from everybody of those four people. 
uh, meaning you end up with eight streams. That's a lot of video processing to do, lots of video encoding, encrypting, um, and the SFU can help you reduce that. So the SFU essentially takes one video from you and gives you four back. So suddenly you're at five video streams for the same kind of conference. It flickered again. I hope you can still hear me. Yeah, good. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, the SFU essentially reduces uh, the math for you um, and relays all the video streams that it receives to everybody. And an MCU would be the next step as well, where you send one video and you receive one video. Uh, so the MCU mixes the video streams that it receives, packages them into one video and sends that video to everybody. Uh, so that takes a lot of computing power, increases the latency even more, so it should be used only in edge cases. Um, but it can help in a lot of ways to reduce the bandwidth required and to make a better experience on that send. So, and then let's get to the fun part of this talk. Like I want to see, uh, like I said, I share this link of the presentation. Um, actually, let me do this right now already. I think I have this open, uploaded this yesterday. Um, to, here we go. You can uh, just copy this into the chat for people to check out. If you want to go to the last page, uh, you can get the link to all these demos. Uh, and I'll try again to share my desktop so you can see what is happening. Yes, works. Great. So uh, I think people can see my desktop. Uh, don't worry about the Spanish. It's just me being weird. Um, where do we start? Um, maybe at first uh, I'll show you a little bit about the infrastructural background behind this, um, this known host, the signaling service that we have. Um, so with every API key that you register in this, uh, you, it spawns a realm. In this realm, uh, you can define unique rooms, meaning you just make up a, a string. And that string will be what both parties need to know to be able to enter the same context in which they can exchange data. So I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's a very peer-to-peerish concept. Uh, but if you think about that every exchange every conversation between humans and devices usually happens in some kind of context. Think of the room as that context. So if you are using it for a client doctor consulting session, uh, essentially this, this conversation is the one context. It's this like patient doctor relationship and the room identifier should be representing that. So if both peers know the same room identifier, they can connect to each other. They get introduced to each other by, by the infrastructure in the background. And in every realm, uh, a unique room ID can only exist once. Right? That's why they're unique. But if you have multiple different API keys, you essentially can reuse the same room multiple times, but pe people there wouldn't be introduced. So that's the whole difference, just in case you're wondering later. Um, but you can extend API keys with alias keys. Let's say you want to have an application where Android and iPhone um, apps want to communicate with the web browser 
well, you want to create one API key and two alias keys that share this realm so that like everybody gets introduced to everybody. Uh, and then you can have conversations from iPhone to browser and so on. Um, so I encourage you to, to read this through. It's a little getting started tutorial that I wrote. Um, and please give me feedback on these kind of things. Um, so the first example is a really quick one, which is here at the bottom of the getting started. Essentially, you need to embed like this one line of JavaScript, this jQuery for JavaScript um, that I was talking about earlier. And the, the HTML is really not very, very uh, complex. It's one video tag that I mirror right now uh, so that you see yourself mirrored. It's a bit more natural. So I usually recommend people doing that. Uh, you instantiate a new object, Skylink object, and you subscribe certain events that happen. So a peer joint event is an event that is triggered whenever another peer joins the room, and that peer can be yourself. Um, so you get the information uh, in this function passed on, like, who is this peer? Give me some info about this peer, like what audio codecs is he using, what video codecs is he using, if you really want to see that. But there's also a user data element in which you can uh, pass through, like, a username or a user ID. Um, and if maybe even a small base64 encoded avatar or something uh, that you can send in this user data. Then you have the incoming stream event, uh, which essentially triggers whenever an, a new audio or video or audio video stream arrives on your end. And it's passed in with the stream event. And all you really need to do is use uh, this um, function through uh, the adapter.js library that helps you connecting it to the video tag that you created. Um, what happens when a peer leaves? What happens if the user grants access to his camera? Um, you get the stream of the user, obviously. And in the end, you initialize to the room, meaning you use your API key and you pick a room name um, and you connect to it with join room audio video true. And uh, you have an audio video conference. Uh, I can show this here if you like, where you click start in this little code pen demo. Open the same demo in a new tab. Click start here to allow access to my camera. And now these two tabs have an audio video conversation with each other. So it's really that simple and it's like 30 lines of JavaScript code. Um, I'll swap back to your chat really quick in case you have any, any questions there. Um, here. So far, so good. Like Chuck, feel free to like just talk over as well. If people having questions. I think that was pretty cool with Aaron. Um, okay, we'll do. Okay. Simple to understand. So this is for a simple conference and you could go up on a normal desktop computer like to eight to ten people roundabout until uh, it starts getting very CPU intensive. Uh, it also depends on the size you render the video and the video resolution you're sending and a few other parameters. Uh, on a modern Android device, uh, like a, um, a Samsung, the, the newest one, what's called the 5, whatever, not a Samsung person, um, like you could, uh, like we have tried it with five video streams, audio video streams on a mobile phone in a website. So I, I think that was actually pretty impressive. Uh, another example that I want to show you is um, a one on one calling, um, which works slightly different because. Um, the, the difference between conferencing and calling is that in calling, the person being called is not, like before it's being called, it's not aware that it wants to join a call. 
That's the main difference between conferencing and calling. Conferencing, both parties know at this time we need to be at a certain point and you come there. So that's pretty easy. Uh, calling is a bit more difficult because you don't know when you're being called. Um, so you can use uh, Skylink to solve that problem as well. Like it's uh, the JavaScript code is here in this code pen as well. It's not too much. It's like, let's see how many lines of code. Um, about like 150 lines of code uh, that I put in here with some helper functions. Um, but in the end, maybe I can just close the other two here. And move this aside a little. You can see I, I only use um, Skylink here. I don't use even jQuery, uh, although you could obviously mix the two. But I, I thought I keep it as raw as possible. Like so, I really do like my DOM requests itself with create element and then um, all this nasty stuff. Um, but in the end, it's the same functions. What do I do when a stream comes in? Uh, what do I do when a peer joins? Um, what do I do when a peer leaves? When a message comes in? Um, I, I think it's rather straightforward to understand. Like here's the differences of the message. It's just a big if else right now that I put in here. So I try to keep the code very very simple and straightforward to read so that nobody should have a problem understanding what it does. Um, in the end, you connect to the infrastructure again, and here are the helper functions uh, to make it feel more like a phone call. So if you think of a phone call, what do you do, right? You pick up, you hang up, you call somebody. Um, so these things kind of need to work. Um, so when I do this here, I have two tabs open, uh, both on the same website, and they both generate themselves a unique identifier. And if you upgrade uh, an app that you already have to support this calling feature, you could just use your existing user ID of, of people that are already registered with your app, right? And so they would connect to a room with their user ID from your app and just hang in there and wait. So they're connected to this known third party, to the signaling server in the background. And as soon as one calls the other, and I'm now doing this, by taking the ID from one tab into the other and say call, what will happen, the one tab joins the session of the other tab. I show a little pop-up message that I'm being called. I say accept. Then I'm being asked to share my camera and microphone. On the other side, I'm being asked to share my camera and microphone. And here we are again. And uh, this is with audio too, so I hear echoed now, which is really weird. Um, okay, let's hang up. So this is how calling works. Um, whoa, somebody's calling me. That must be one of you guys trying out the demo. Let's see who's there. No, oh, I closed the wrong tab maybe. Sorry. Maybe you can try again with that ID. Because if you go to the same website, it essentially like, it works, right? You can actually call me. Um, I'll give you an opportunity later maybe to show up in the screen sharing, if you like, um, through another demo. So if you just want to try it out uh, with the adapter.js, uh, let me see. This is our adapter.js library. And uh, here I just want to brush through really quick on uh, what it does. So it polyfills all these things that are combined known as the WebRTC API in your browser. Um, meaning in IE and Safari, these things don't exist, and our plugin makes them available. And you need this adapter.js uh, library on your client side to be able to support the plugin. Um, but you can use and program WebRTC pretty much like uh, you would do without the plugin. 
But one difference, uh, which you don't need to do, like it still works without it, but we recommend it very much, is uh, using this uh, on WebRTC ready, uh, because the plugin is a third-party piece of software that needs to be loaded and started uh, when a certain website is uh, being accessed. And that might take a second or two. So if you not use this event, what we will do is we polyfill the RTC peer connection and every other constructor of these objects. Uh, but because there is no ES6 in every browser yet, meaning we cannot just yield a function, like a specifically a constructor, like a constructor needs to have a return value for WebRTC to be compatible. Um, so we cannot just pause in the middle of the function execution and say like, wait until the plugin is ready and then return. Um, would be nice, but in ES5, that's not a thing. Um, we do uh, an infinite for loop and that takes a lot of CPU power. So it works, um, but on slow machines, you might see a little uh, beach ball popping up, uh, which we can't really do much about other than educating people to use this function and only execute WebRTC code once this function is called. That's like the only difference that you really need to do in terms of coding uh, with uh, the plugin rather than without. Uh, because this is being called by the plugin, so it's definitely loaded at that point. Uh, then we have a lot of helper functions that took over from the Google adapter.js to be drop-in compatible with it. Like the attached media stream, there's a difference in uh, the way a stream is attached to a video tag in Mozilla and Google Chrome. So uh, this function takes care of the differences. The same is for iServer creation, in case you ever want to do this wild process that I showed you earlier yourself. Uh, you will find this very helpful. Uh, there's a check ice connection state. Uh, so here you can see uh, this is how it should be in every browser. And uh, for weird reasons, the browsers implement it slightly different. And so in Chrome, it's usually like this. Um, in Firefox, they skip the completed part totally. Uh, so what we do, if you wrap it around this function, it will give you the right order and the complete list of all the events that are supposed to fire in the WebRTC standard um, so that you don't have to deal with these differences. Um, and there's a lot more in here. Uh, like essentially everything that we find that is a bit different in the different browsers, uh, we kind of try to throw into this library and keep it updated and like feel free to contribute to it. It's on GitHub, it's all open source. You can uh, give us pull requests and people do uh, when they don't like something, when they think you're stupid or uh, when they think they, they have something that really needs to be in there. Um, yeah, and then the other one, Skylink, is also completely open source. Uh, that's our jQuery for WebRTC. Um, here's a link to the getting started. We have a complete API doc as well that I want to show you um, that allows you to see all the different methods that we have from uh, file transfers to user data settings, the whole join room, leave room, lock room, mute a stream, uh, send blob data, send messages. This is going through the signaling channels with a known party and this is going peer-to-peer uh, -peer directly via the, the channel. Um, unlock rooms and so on, and it comes with a complete list of all the events as well um, that you can subscribe to to update a UI and share, sh share with the user that something is happening in the background, like we are connecting, we are being connected, uh, a new peer joins, a peer leaves, a peer restarted the, the peer connection, and so on. So here you find the, the list of these things, the complete list of all the parameters that are being passed to you. Um, 
yeah, and if you would then want to try it out a little bit more, I, I uh, wrote a lot of demos for this as well. Uh, one of those um, I want to show you is my virtual co-working uh, platform, like where I wrote my, my, I wrote my own Slack. That's really what it is. So uh, in case you want to check it out, like it's on serenaimogithub.io slash co-working and the code is available um, open source as well. Uh, it's about 300 lines of code, so it's not very complex. You know, in case you ever wondered how hard it would be to write your own Slack. Uh, so this supports GitHub Playbot Markdown, so you can do like funky. Oh, that's a weird name actually. Uh, <laughs> so like it asks you for your name in the in the first way, and like now I can see different people already in here because I have other computers in this room right now. Uh, so uh, you can see myself on different angles in a way. And uh, this one here is currently blurred. Because if I leave the screen, um, like I tap out, my own picture blurs so that I get a bit more privacy. So that I thought was a, an interesting little feature uh, to add to this. And what I use here in the background is I, I take the live video from the camera um, and every five seconds I snap a picture of it by rendering it on a canvas. And I can show you how that works. I have the code open right here. Um, so again, very, very simple code. I didn't try to be fancy here or use uh, sophisticated libraries or frameworks. It's essentially just using uh, our Skylink library here. And then if you help functions like how to blur, which turned out to be much more complicated than I thought. So I just copy pasted this off Stack Overflow, I think. <laughs> uh, how to convert a data URL to a blob and how to convert a blob to a data URL and a few other things that I didn't really want to write myself. So I put them in this helper. And uh, other than that, it's essentially just using Skylink and then very, very basic JavaScript uh, where I define a few variables up here. Um, again, incoming stream, incoming message, data transfer state. I use our data transfer API to essentially send um, like the JPEG information that was captured on one side to everybody else. Um, and that, therefore, I need to convert it blob to data URL. Um, there, there are different formats um, that you need to swap around with. It's like kind of, I think the data URL is closer to base64, and the blob is really a binary kind of blob of data that we can transfer through WebRTC. And so I swap between uh, those two before I send it. Then what happens if the user access, grants access to his camera? The message, thanks, may I know your name. Uh, what happens if the user declines, um, then peer joins, peer leaves, the init again with the API key. And then I want a very low resolution video so I can specify this specifically. Uh, then a lot of text and a few helper functions on how do I add a user image to the bar on the top? How do I add a message to the chat window? Um, how do I replay the chat history so it supports local storage? And you saw this like with all this like old messages suddenly popping up and it always uses your current picture uh, as your um, avatar. So that's kind of cool, I think. And here's the capture function uh, in a timeout every five seconds. And it essentially just gets from uh, like the like from a canvas, the context in 2D and then draws the video tag onto the canvas. I mean, this is really as easy as it gets to like capture a picture from the live video of your, your camera is to feed a video tag into the draw image function of the canvas. I think that's, that's pretty neat. And in the end, you can say um, this photo canvas 
you convert to data URL and this is a native API of the canvas and you say I want a JPEG in this compression and here we have somebody else joining the room hello <laughs> so we have some like I was playing around with volume as well the idea was to create a co-working space so that you hear like a very like low volume ambient noise from everybody in this uh, co-working environment to give you the feeling you're sitting in a room with everybody else and only if you swap back to this tab you essentially um, start being visible for everybody else so it's an interesting demo i think um, which brings me to the last demo that i want to show you which is uh, something that you can use every day as well uh, maybe you have heard about firefox hello which uses webrtc to make one-on-one -on -one calls uh, working and like we wrote a little tech demo as well, which is absolutely open source. So you can just click on the fork me on GitHub button here and it gives you the source code of, of this whole thing. And it runs on uh, our Skylink library and React, Facebook React, uh, go React. Uh, hey Mel, I can see you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see still other people joining. So, and in this get a room, I have again like another computer set up here. So depending on what you put behind the slash, you can essentially start a call. Uh, and this identifier that's behind the slash is essentially uh, the unique identifier of your room. So everybody of you that would go into this room right now would see me and uh, the amazing frog in front of uh, Mel's CSSCon logo uh, from last year and our little toy helicopter. So let's see if somebody makes it. If not, I'll try. And to show you that that actually works well, uh, if you check here, this is on 4G. So this is not going through the same Wi-Fi. And I'll just, yeah, hey, we have somebody. How are you doing? <laughs> so I'll try, like through 4G as well. Uh, let's see, one of those might be me. Yeah, there we go. So this is now me through 4G in the same room on my iPhone. There we go. So this is using our native SDK. And you can see the performance is actually quite good for going through the internet. Um, it's actually quite reasonable. So here you see the other computer waiting there. Like with the Thomas, it's, uh, it's 10 o'clock Eastern time. But uh, I'm going to let you go another five or 10 minutes. Um, yeah, like I can answer a few questions um, because that is essentially it. Um, that's like some inspiration on what you can do with WebRTC and a little walkthrough on, on uh, how it can be done. I have one more demo which I found pretty pathetic, but uh, it's kind of cool uh, just to round it off. Uh, so I have this little uh, selfie problem. I don't know if you ever thought about this being a thing. Uh, can, if you still can't see my video. I'm in Asia, so I have one of those selfie sticks here. Um, they are vastly available everywhere, and it looks ridiculous watching people taking pictures with them. Uh, and if you actually put your phone up there, you have usually one problem, which is, holy crap, how do I capture the picture now? And so if you stick it up there, essentially like this, right? And then like you hold it like far away and then you can't reach the trigger button of your camera 
with your finger. So I thought like, well, I know, uh, I think WebRTC can help here uh, because it works incredibly great to like connect two browsers. Uh, so I wrote this little selfie demo, which I'll just load in Opera on this uh, Android device. And it will ask me for access to my camera, which I will share. And so now my camera picture through Wi-Fi pops up here on the screen, which I hope is still shared. Uh, so you can see me here reaching from my selfie stick. And the cool thing is now I can essentially capture from my computer a picture. And then it shows up in the bottom line. So uh, this way I can give you a little look of Singapore, maybe, in case you have never been or never seen it. Uh, there we are. It's like we're pretty central here. So there you go, Singapore skyline the flyer in the background and like we can take a picture of that too. So again, it uses the same technique. It captures a, a little video, a little picture from the canvas and then sends the high resolution JPEG file to the uh, dashboard. Now I need to go away here again. Um, through the WebRTC data channel it's called. Um, so it actually sends the JPEG file. Um, FYI, for this to work, you both need to be on the same uh, internet connection, meaning your phone and your other device. Uh, it uses your IP address as the room identifier, your public IP address, so that you join automatically. You don't need to uh, say like, hey, uh, I want to be in room XYZ. It uses your IP address to identify that you're on the same network. So it works great if you tether through your phone, for example, when you're on the go with selfie sticks. So that's my little uh, demo time. There's lots of crazy stuff you can write with WebRTC. And I think and I hope we made it very, very easy uh, for people to get started with. And um, uh, it should be a lot of fun to, to play around with. I have usually a lot of fun playing around with it. Um, so feel free to uh, give us feedback. We have a live developer chat there as well where you can get help with it uh, in case you need something. Um, I know a lot of people tried out the co-working demo and you see a lot of uh, people joining and saying hi. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, let me know if you have questions in the chat. Uh, I'm happy to answer a few. And uh, other than that, I can only thank Chuck for the opportunity to share you, share this with you. All right, it looks like there are a few questions. One that came in a little bit earlier was, what is an ICE server and an ICE connection? So ICE is uh, it's not a server. ICE is a protocol. So uh, maybe I go back to my slides here. Um, so there's very, very weird, complex-looking one. Whoop, whoop, here. Um, ICE stands for inter what was it? Interconnection Establishment or Candidate no, Candidate Exchange? Something Interconnectivity Candidate Exchange. So if you have two devices to introduce each other. Um, they need to exchange possible options to connect to each other. What is the network and port and a few other configurations uh, on how I reach the other party? And that process is called ICE. And one network option to connect to is called an ICE candidate. And so there are two forms of this. The typical ICE is uh, your browser looks at all your network options, gathers them all, and then sends them out to the other party through the signaling server, uh, through this known party. And the other party then checks them out one by one and sees what works. 
and the other one is called trickle ice uh, in which case the party that offers all the network options sends them out as soon as it finds them meaning if it sees oh there's one port open here or that i could open here i send that over directly to the other party through the signaling server um, so that the connection establishment can be faster potentially because with normal ice it would usually it can take depending on the timeouts of network interface lookups and so on sometimes up to 20 seconds before all the candidates are bundled up and sent over the wire um, so with trickle ice which is the standard that we use uh, it's a lot faster all right um the next question have you attempted to communicate the variances back to the browser vendors so they may fix them Yes, actually. So our company, uh, Temasus, uh, like is on the W3C committee for WebRTC. So we have a lot of these discussions uh, in the committee itself. Uh, we talked to the guys at Firefox. Um, we talked to the guys at Chrome. That's how we got to work with Ericsson on um, a, a small, unambitious project called WebKit <laughs> uh, that we have some engineers swearing a lot about these days. Um, yeah, more on that maybe end of this year. Let's see. All right. Um, this is another question. I actually asked this one. I, I may have missed it, but is there any way you can do one-way streaming? Because it seems like a lot of this is two-way communication. Yes. So WebRTC is great for low-latency multi-party because the conversation needs to have very, very low latency. Uh, now, if you say you want to stream it out like this click webinar to like 100 or 200 people, um, what you would need is um, with WebRTC, you, you, or the way how I imagine it working, I'm still trying to, to create something like this. You have a server peer, like the same way you can have a client join a room context in a session, you would have a server join a room context as a, or, or a session like that. Uh, I call them server peers or service peers, really, uh, because they're like normal users, but they are computers. <laughs> And um, that computer would take all the video streams from everybody else in the same way a normal client would, uh, but then put them all together in one video and uh, stream it out through whatever streaming channel you can imagine. So I think that would be the way to create something like click webinar or, or a massive hangout session uh, where you stream it to hundreds of people um, with WebRTC. And we're actually uh, working in the background to create a service uh, like that, that you can essentially from your client side offer a button a stream and it would go out to the signaling server and invite a service peer to join your room context to be able to record the session and give you a recording of it or uh, stream the session live or be an answering machine for, for a phone call or offer speech to text translation services or whatever else. Like there's so many uh, interesting ideas on what you could build with a with a service peer. And I see so what one would more question just back around something like that. Uh, limiting in terms of amount of users. Yeah. Um, so to have them in a real time conversation, I think you will always be limited uh, to. I think the highest that I've heard is a hundred and that involves a lot of MCUs, meaning these mixers that take one video from everybody and mixes them into a big video that it streams out to everybody else and then they essentially stack them. Meaning you have one MCU joining another MCU so that like one video is becoming a 25th of another video being a 25th of another video. It's like Inception in a way. You, you 
you stack them up. So this way, like with every layer, you add latency again, which you don't want because you want talk and response to be not far further away than a second. Um, so it becomes very, very challenging to do real-time conversations uh, through the internet with more than 15, 20 people and very, very few companies uh, or offers out there technically can go to 100 um, at the same time. Uh, what they all usually do, like click webinar, is right now it's only me and you in the real-time conversation with audio and video. So we get a low latency kind of connection and everybody else is receiving a stream. And the thing of the, with the stream, the traditional stream is it can be delayed. Uh, and you notice this sometimes if I type a chat, you might see the message before you see me typing it uh, because you might receive this video delayed. And only if the click web or you get invited by by the presenter to join this audio video, you join this real time conversation and become part of what is streamed. Uh, so this is how they hack their way around it. But then, to be honest, I I, I don't see a big reason why you would want a hundred people talking to each other at the same time. That's a bit weird. Yeah, I was just thinking one, maybe two presenters yeah. just streaming their output. So you, you could do maybe 15 like that. And with WebRTC and a normal computer these days, you can do eight to 10 uh, in your browser already. And if you use our SFU service, you could maybe do 12, 13. And on, on mobile, maybe five. The SFU is specifically good for mobile because the mobile phones have lesser CPU power. All right, one, one other question. Does mobile Chrome on iOS support WebRTC? Um, so Chrome is effectively still WebKit on iOS. Uh, they share the same engine. It's just a different user interface. Uh, so if you actually think you're using the, the Chrome rendering engine on iOS, you're wrong. It's still Safari in the background. Uh, therefore, you don't get WebRTC support on iOS. You would need to have this Ericsson browser called Bowser, which is not as great of a user interface, but they have attached to WebKit uh, this WebRTC interface. All right. Um, any other questions before we end the call? All right. I uh, never did uh, post this to the list or to the forum, but uh, before we wrap up, um, I just want to let you know that both speakers tomorrow uh, canceled, and so we're going to have uh, Brandon Hayes and Ben Lupton speak to us. Brandon's going to talk to us about refactoring uh, code from jQuery over to Ember, um, but it's pretty applicable to other frameworks as well. And Ben is going to be talking to us about his experience um, in JavaScript over the, the long years that he's been doing it. So uh, I'm excited for those talks. Um, and uh, that's all the announcements I really have. I'll make sure that I announce those on the list as well. Uh, thanks, Thomas, for the talk. Pleasure. Really, Thanks for having really. me. I hope it was all rather clear. I I thought it, I thought it was terrific. So cool. Yeah, so thank I'll you very much tonight. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Thomas, for speaking, and uh, we'll we'll catch y'all tomorrow. Cool. Cheers.